if 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 the spidey sense is going off, you better you better go if do you something. Smell some stank. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at Diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. And that is essentially what happened in the housing crisis. That That's led exactly to our what financial, happened. Yeah. Financial fallout in 08, 09. Yeah, they were giving housing loans to people that they knew couldn't pay them. Because they didn't care. They, they were going to sell the debt. Mm-hmm. So, yes, debt is actually something you can sell. Right. I'm going to package this debt up, sell it to somebody else because a debt is a promise that I'm eventually going to get paid. Right. And so the other person's like, I'm going to buy up this debt because someone's eventually going to pay it. Right. And the, the idea is when you package debt like that is, well, I'm going to buy a hundred debts or a mm-hmm. thousand debts. And if 10% of them go bad, right. so what? Because I got the other 90%. I got the other 90%. Still getting paid with interest. And I've and I've factored that into the cost of what I'm... I didn't... If, if I got 100 debts worth $100 each, mm-hmm. that's $10,000, right? Right. But I'm not going to pay $10,000 for that. I'm going to pay $5,000 for that because mm-hmm. some of them are going to go bad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to... I'm not getting the money today. I'm, it's coming it's in over slowly, time. Yeah. So the time value of my money. So... I make a calculated risk there of how many I think are going to go bad, how long it's going to take me to get paid, and I say, yeah, I'll take that off of your hands. Wow. Okay, so there's so much to unpack here. So <laughs> um, maybe take a slight tangent. The Our system incentivizes people to take risks to go into business. Right. By protecting them with bankruptcy. Right. However... It does not incentivize students to get a higher education because they're not protected with bankruptcy. So in a sense, the system wants people to go into business who are not fully educated. (laughs) What you have to understand. That's insane. What you have to understand is all of economics, taxes, subsidies, rules about bankruptcy discharge, these are all incentives. Right. We as a society pass laws about economic incentives, taxes, uh, subsidies, whatever, because we want to drive behavior in a certain way. Economics is simply driving behavior in a certain way. Absolutely. And the problems we have, well, sort of many of the problems we have today in society are because those incentives have gotten out of whack because we have certain groups saying, hey, let's let's make, if you, when you look at it as a whole, you can say, okay, this is kind of what we want people to do. This is a nice system where we can make everything work. But when you start piecemeal pulling out, oh, well, let's change this little rule over here and we change mm-hmm. this little rule over here. I'm doing a lot of hand waving right now. And, <laughs> and you change these little rules here and there without doing it as a whole system, the incentive structure gets out of whack and benefits some 
much more than others. Yeah. And changes what we incentivize people to do in ways that we might not want them to do. Mm. I feel like it's a very, it's a very flimsy house of cards that we're dealing with here. It's a very complex house of cards, but not flimsy. It's very complex, and little changes to a complex system can radically change things down. You know, the butterfly effect. It's a butterfly. Butterfly flaps its wings in Africa. It affects the weather in the United States because it changes the airflow of the drift across the trade winds, da, 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 da. Yeah. Same idea. I'm so glad I'm not in a position where I have to oversee any of this stuff because it just the the thought of it just makes my head sort of swell and hurt and I'm getting a, a migraine. So I'm I'm in debt. Um, I don't have enough assets to cover my debts. I gotta file bankruptcy. Um, I don't want to go all in with chapter seven, because I feel like if I can put a plan together, I can work my way out of this thing slowly. I'm choosing to go with a chapter 11. Um, what should I look at first to liquidate? Liquidate meaning what assets to get rid of, to start paying back some things. How do I look at my assets and figure out how to liquidate and start getting money? It doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, I love it when I ask a bad question that leads to a good answer. (laughs) It's it's a reasonable question to ask, but that's not how the system is made. If you are an individual and you're going into a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, what we're trying to figure out is, okay, you've got a credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Can we negotiate with the credit card company to either pay that all the way down, to, to greatly reduce that debt, maybe get rid of the... 15, 16, 30% interest payments to be able to say, look, man, we only really owe you this much and we'll pay you that over the next amount. Mm-hmm. You, my credit card debt's $20,000, mm-hmm. but there's only $10,000 of principal. Right. Tell you what, cancel the credit card and I'll pay you $8,000 over the next right. three years. The principal is the actual money without the right. interest. Okay. So it's not that you start selling things to, to give money to, to different people. The whole idea is you're paying this over time. You're just trying to negotiate with all of your creditors at once mm-hmm. to figure out a way so that everybody gets a little bit. Because mm-hmm. if you go chapter seven, the credit card gets nothing. Right. Credit card debts are wiped out. They don't want you to go into seven. So they're happy that, Okay, well, if you're going to pay us 20 cents on every dollar, you know, that we get something. That's cool. We get we'll, we'll leave you alone. And the interest is made up anyways, so if they can just get the money back. Right. So a creditor, and this is, you know, we want to make sure that we adjust, that we look at this from both sides. Because while it is certainly true that many construction companies, small companies, go bankruptcy in a downturn. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that uh, in 08, 09, excavation companies... Every single one of them in this area must have gone bankrupt. Yeah. And they were the first ones to go because they carry a tremendous amount of debt. You uh, you probably have a long-term lease on your heavy equipment. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that equipment's not moving, you can't pay the terms of that lease. Yeah. You go upside down. Mm-hmm. After, so um, my partner and I, he, he was handling tons of those types of cases. Then it sort of trickled through the economy to different trades, different levels, and at the end, you know, you end up with after all the tradespeople go bankrupt, then you end up with the developer who was paying them all 
getting upside down. So there yeah. is a there's a sort of a progression through the system when you have a downturn in the economy uh, that hits construction industry very hard. That there's a possibility a lot of people listening to this might find themselves in this situation. On the other hand, if you are one of the best and you've done your things right and you protected yourself, you can likely get through a downturn like that and come out on the other side with a whole lot less competition. Yeah. But. Less sharks in the water. Exactly. But it is important for you to be able to navigate that to know from a creditor side what to expect. Because if you're the one one construction company that's doing the right thing, protecting yourself, mm-hmm. everybody else is going to owe you money. Mm. And they're going to be filing bankruptcy. So you need to know from a creditor side what to expect from the bankruptcy system as well as from the debtor side. I've, this is so crazy because... You want to be the person that survives, but then when you get to the other side, now you have two jobs. You have the job keeping your business going, going out and building and excavating and all that stuff. But then your second job is managing and overseeing sort of you getting paid back from all the people that owe you money. It feels like double the work to be a survivor. It is. Wow. But I guess you're in a better position than those people who no longer have a company or a job. And, and this was the conversation I had with so many people. At, at that time, during that downturn, I represented a lot of folks who were in uh, 7 or 13. I didn't do a lot with 11s. Um, but I also represented a lot of folks who were trying to avoid bankruptcy by trying to do sort of structured workouts outside of bankruptcy, which mm-hmm. is another option. Or That's I'll, just like you, you making calls to the people that you owe money to. It's like, hey, man, can I figure something out with you? Exactly. But you kind of got to get everybody in the room for that to work. Okay. And you probably have good personal, you probably have good relationships with those people if they're willing to sit down and do something like that. And if you don't, that's the role of a lawyer is to come in and sort of mm-hmm. be the intermediary. I know your client's mad at my client, mm-hmm. but. We're trying to do this. We're trying to yeah, do this yeah. so that they are both win. Okay. Another area that we found ourselves in in that time of the economic downturn was representing a lot of tradespeople who were trying to get paid by developers. Mm. So a developer. Good luck. <clears throat> so a developer is developing a neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, and this is sort of from the creditor side, how to protect yourself. You're going in and working in a development. And development has lots one through 50. One through 50. Mm-hmm. Well, every state has a mechanics lien law. And they're different in every state, but they have a mechanics lien law. And so you should familiarize yourself with the, with the law in your state. Find an attorney who's good at them because they are notoriously difficult to file. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sort of my, my retainer letter basically said, I'm going to do the best I can for you, but these things are impossible. Mm. But what a mechanics lien is, you're working on lots one through 10. You're doing some work on those. Mm-hmm. 40 or 11 through 50, you got nothing to do with those. Okay. But there's different tradespeople working on different combinations. And back to the excavator guy, he's probably working on the entire thing because he's laying out the roads within the subdivision. So he has sort of a connection to all the lots. Mm-hmm. You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook. 
So now when that developer finds himself unable to sell houses to make the payments to the bank as he's, because he's of course borrowed money to buy this whole piece of land. Mm -hmm. Now he's running out of money to pay. Uh, he hasn't been able to sell the houses quickly enough. Uh, maybe people who bought the houses aren't, aren't paying. There's problems there. Whatever. So now he's not paying the general construct general contractors. The general contractors now don't have the money to pay the subs below them. Mm -hmm. And this is a trickle down. So now you're the sub and you're thinking, man, not only does my boss, the, the guy who hired me not have any money to pay me, it goes so far up the chain, I am sunk. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's what a mechanics lien is for. A mechanics lien is you say, I did work on house on lot one, house one, and I and I did this much work, and I'm filing with the court a piece of paper that says I did work on that house, and I'm owed a thousand dollars. Now, and it might be a thousand dollars, it might be five thousand dollars, it might be ten thousand dollars. It's not going to be the value of the house. No, but it's just the value. But it's of the meaningful work you to you, yeah, because you're going to pay your rent, and especially if you've done it on ten houses. Yeah. So, the beauty of mechanics lien, in, in, in some states it actually has priority above the mortgage. And priority is a legal term meaning who gets paid first. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because you can't start paying for your house until you pay for it to have been built. Right. But you got to remember the bank has a mortgage, a mortgage on that lot. Oh. Uh, and so the, so the developer... a lot of hands in the pot over right. here, man. So the developer is paying the bank monthly mm -hmm. for the mortgage that's spread out over this entire subdivision. The, the the they might have two or three lenders so you got different banks for different combinations of lots lots yeah so the point is normally speaking when a house gets foreclosed on the bank gets paid first yeah because they have a secured interest mm -hmm. and you know if the bank forecloses on my house and I owe Damani a bunch of money well the bank gets paid first and if there's money left over and I'm in bankruptcy Damani might get some of that money Oh, but yeah. the bank's getting thanks paid for first. The, thanks for the Twinkies, guys. Right. So, but a mechanics lien can actually, depending upon your state, put you in front of the bank. Oh. So now, and based off of what you just said, they are notoriously difficult to file, which means the the possibility of you actually getting your mechanics lien to get put in front of the bank is really low. But that is the rub where it doesn't matter. Okay. So let's walk through the scenario. Developer has failing on his mortgage obligations. Mm -hmm. So the bank now has an opportunity to say, okay, developer, you're screwing up. We're now going to foreclose on lots one through 10. Okay. Well, we got these mechanics liens over here. We think they're bogus, mm. but each one's worth $1,000. Mm. I can either pay my lawyer to go to court and break that mechanics lien and prove that it's no good, mm -hmm. or I can just pay the guy 900 bucks and be done. The bank? The bank's going to pay you 900 Because the bucks. bank is going to pay off the mechanics lien so that they can get to getting their money from the developer. Right. So in that situation, even if your mechanics mm -hmm. lien is faulty, right. you might be able to get that 90 cents for the dollar. Right. On the other hand, let's say the developer is, is, is moving and shaking and he's trying to figure out, man, if I can just get one more bank draw, then I can pay off all these contractors and everything's good. Mm -hmm. And the bank's looking at him saying, well, we're not going to give you another draw. There's a mechanics lien on this house. And we're behind that, so we're not going to loan you any money. 
until you take care of that. So then the developer's gonna come to you, Mr. Carpenter, and mm -hmm. say, dude, I know you got a mechanics lien for a thousand bucks. I know I owe you that money. Mm -hmm. I know whoever owes you that money, but mm -hmm. I gotta get my money from the bank. I give you 900. Right. You go take the $900. Uh, and hope that in three years down the road when the developer gets his stuff together, he gives you the other 100 just on general principle. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world happen. was just as fair as I wanted it to be. But. Again, you have a, a legal claim that may or may not be 100% valid in court, but you've done your best to file it, and people, at least it gives you some, some leverage. Now, for instance, in Virginia, why are they so difficult to file? In Virginia? Yeah, why are they okay. so difficult so in to file? Virginia, I can't even do my taxes, so I don't even know about this stuff. In Virginia, if I'm a lawyer and, and contractor Damani comes to me and says, man, I, I did some work on this house and I hadn't been paid. Mm -hmm. So the law says... I'm going to try my best to remember exactly all, all the details. You, contracted to money, mm -hmm. are due to be paid. You have, from the last day of the last month in which you worked on that house, mm -hmm. you have 120 days, I believe it is, to file a mechanics lien for any monies owed from the last day you worked looking back, I think it's 150 days. Hmm. You follow that math? I, I am following that math. Yeah. So now you, Mr. Contractor, have to come to me, Mr. Lawyer, and explain to me, okay, here are all my bills, and this is the time, this is the last day I worked, and I, and so we go to the, so we got this many days to file this thing, because of course the developer's been telling me all along, mm -hmm. hey man, you get paid, you get paid, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like the 11th hour when you show up in the lawyer's office. Right, because you're like, yo, I got like, like two days. Right. And I'm gonna say, okay, Damani, mm -hmm. I've already been. I've. It's a downturn, man. I've been filing mechanics liens all over town. Yeah, I'm a busy man, and you need me to file this in two days. <laughs> Where's your paperwork? What do you mean, my paperwork? The paperwork I need to see every job you did dating back 150 days from the last day you were on the job that shows all the work that you did during that time. Exactly. Am I following you right? Exactly. And you, of Good course, God. have that in your notebook, in your binder when you show up at Hell my no. It's in a trash bag in the back of my truck somewhere. I don't know where that freaking information's at. So I expected to get paid. Because the developer's been, or you're telling or, me the whole time. I'm not keeping about it. I'm not keeping receipts. So. Herein lies the rub of why they are difficult to file. Because now, wow. if we go to court, I have to prove the last day you were on the job. Now, it might be one of those things Well, okay, so I did 90% of my work in April, but, you know, in June, I had to come back on some punch list stuff. Yeah. Okay, there's a, there's a split in the law whether or not your date starts in April, April or, or June. June. Because was the stuff you were doing... Fixing what you did before, or were you doing uh, extra stuff, or or did the person put in a change order to prove that going back some episodes that the that it was an agreed upon change that you had to come back to do? So now you see the complications. Of this. Oh my! This is Lord. why the mechanics lean is. I'm just sticking a flag in the ground and said, "This dude owes me money." Mm hmm. And at least if I can't get all of my money, somebody's got to deal with me. So, from a creditor's perspective, let's, let's come back to where we were talking about bankruptcy. What I'm telling you is if you think that guy around you is going bankrupt or having financial difficulties, from a creditor's perspective, there are things you can do. One of them is file mechanics liens. Mm -hmm. 
you can start filing those mechanics liens on those jobs where you haven't been paid and you can get some level of protection that at least you you get in line. So let me pause you right there. Everybody that's listening out there that is a tradie, tradesperson, and you're working for a contractor, if you sniff, if you even smell a little bit of stank of something about somebody being shady, like they're not going to pay you, then you need to start following these instructions that you're hearing right now. That is true. Uh, if, if don't wait. If 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 the spidey sense is going off, you mm-hmm. better you better go. If do you something. smell some stank, because what happens is, if the person who owes you money, the GC, the the developer, whoever it is, they go into bankruptcy. If you don't have a mechanics lien, you are an unsecured creditor. And what an unsecured creditor means is you are getting nothing. Yeah. An unsecured creditor means they owe me money and I have, there's nothing specific I can tie it to. Again, let's talk about secured creditors being the mortgage, the the dealership that sells you the car or whatever. They have a security interest in a particular piece of property that if you don't pay, I get this asset. Yeah, they can come and take that. But but a contractor can't give you back the work that you did. Exactly. So a mechanics lien is an intermediary there. And there are Mm -hmm. lots of different liens like that. And I'm calling it a mechanics lien. And you're Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, I'm not a mechanic. I'm a carpenter. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing applies to the car mechanic. Right. If you don't pay, the mechanic can take keep your car and sell it. Right. You can't, as you just said, I can't come detach the HVAC unit from the house. And give it back it to It has <laughs> legally become a part of the house. Right. And, and when I say legal, I mean this is, it has legally become a part of the house. I cannot come back and take that. And there's, you know going way down the road there's a whole no that's crazy I never even thought of that before that the fact that if I had hired somebody to put a unit on my house and they come and do it and then I can't pay for it all the way that they can't come into my house and just take it off it has now become a fixture so a fixture I'm doing my square square quotes here a fixture is so think about it like an HVAC unit or a big piece of equipment say you are installing uh, brewery tanks in Mm -hmm. a brewery right you all know who I'm talking about you're putting that brewery tank in there. Well, chances are that has been a financed purchase. Mm-hmm. So the, the company that makes brewery tanks is selling it to some microbrewery, and they are retaining an interest in that thing until they get it paid off. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to be very careful about how they make their how they maintain that security interest because there will be a question once that thing is bolted to the ground, Mm -hmm. is it still a piece of equipment or has it become part of the real estate? Uh. And so, you know, the basic legal document is, can you take it out without tearing everything up? Right. And, you know, a brewery tank, an HVAC unit, maybe you can. On the other hand, if I'm the supply company and I'm selling you lumber on credit, Tune into the next episode of the BizBuild podcast for part two of this conversation. You won't want to miss it. You've just been listening to the BizBuild podcast. I'm your host, Damani. Follow me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. Or follow Connor on Instagram at Diamondback.toolbelts. You can also find more about Diamondback by visiting our YouTube page or Facebook page. 
Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today, and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes. Take care. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 